Hello, everybody. Andrew Holacek here. And um, this particular interview is one I've been looking forward to for quite a long time. It's with a remarkable scholar, practitioner, researcher, Dr. Claire Johnson, who's really one of the leading voices in the world of lucid dreaming. Um, and as you'll soon see from her most impressive biography, and I think even more so as we start to dive into just a tremendous array of topics, uh, we're, we're in for a treat. So uh, let me just read a little bit about who this remarkable person is. Dr. Claire Johnson was the first person in the world to do doctoral research into lucid dreaming as a creative tool. A well-known author and speaker, she recently headed up the International Association for the Study of Dreams as president and CEO. When she was three, Claire had her first lucid dream and subsequently became a lifelong frequent lucid dreamer who has researched lucid dreaming for over um, 24 years. For the past 14 years, she has taught workshops on how to ex access the deep creative and healing potential of the unconscious. And she now leads lucid dreaming retreats around um, most of Europe. And I will have the opportunity for her to share what she's doing very specifically um, at the end of our program. Claire is the author of a number of remarkable books. One is the acclaimed Lucid Dreaming Handbook, Llewellyn's Complete Book of Lucid Dreaming, a comprehensive guide to promote creativity, overcome sleep disturbances, and enhance health and wellness. In this in-depth book, as well as sharing many original practices for getting and staying lucid, she shares her insights into meditating and lucid dreams, encountering the lucid light and the sparkling black void and how lucid dreaming can be a path into a luminous death. And so as a parenthetical insert here from my end, this is absolutely what I want to um, discuss at some length with her because very few people go to um, this deep end of the pool. So that's where we're going to be riffing. Um, Claire's work on lucid dreaming has been featured in numerous documentaries, magazines, radio shows, podcasts, and television. She regularly speaks at um, international venues on topics as diverse as lucid dreaming for the dying, sleep disorders, and how to overcome nightmares and release fear. Her book, Dream Therapy, Dream Your Way to Health and Happiness, explores the transformative effect that dream work can have on our lives. And her newest book is The Art of Lucid Dreaming, a super practical guide with a lucidity quiz and personalized lucidity programs tailored to each individual dreamer. And in, in addition, and I did not know this, Claire, you have written um, short stories and, and I guess a novel or two that incorporate lucid dreaming so um, yeah. oh, my, oh my goodness you are living and breathing a topic that um, has been the, you know at the center of my life for, for many many decades now so welcome dear friends dear new friends and before we get going I, I always like to start I suppose with you we could say at the shallow end of the pool before we take the deeper dive um, maybe share with our listeners if you will what inspired you to devote your um, life to the study and practice of these um, nocturnal meditations, as I come to call them? Yeah, sure. Well, first of all, thank you so much, uh, Andrew, for having me on the show. And uh, I'm really enjoying your dream yoga book, <laughs> by the way, uh, which I'm reading right now. Um, yeah, so for me, this really is, as you said, it's like a lifetime path. I, I, it just became my path from a very early age. Um, my first memory of my entire life uh, is of a dream where I was drowning in a swimming pool. And I suddenly, I panicked, I was drowning, and I suddenly understood that I had a choice. I could either stay in that dream and drown, or I could choose to wake up. And I chose to wake up by violently 
throwing myself over and over in the swimming pool until I actually fell out of my physical bed. Oh, wow. um, and yeah, and my mum came running upstairs um, and she just said, oh, well, you had a bad dream. It's, it's, it's not real. It's just a dream. Go back to sleep. And that was really strange because for me, that dream was super real. You know, yeah. the colors of the water, the light coming through the water, the sensation that I was going to die. It was all so, so strong. And to hear my mum, who, of course, knew everything because I was only three. So she was like, you know, a goddess, <laughs> uh, hearing her saying that that world was not real. It really sort of impacted me very powerfully. Um, and as I continued to have very vivid dreams as I grew older, I started to understand that my parents didn't know everything about this other world. They didn't, even though they knew everything about everything else. Um, and I had to kind of, um, well, struggle through on my own, <laughs> as so many people do, but, you know, if their parents don't know much about dreams. Uh, I had to learn how to deal with nightmares. I had uh, sleepwalking episodes. Um, I also had lucid dreams, amazing lucid dreams when I was about seven or eight, where I would fly out of the house and I would meet these magical beings uh, who hid in the hedge at the bottom of the garden, and they would teach me magic from very old books. Um, so I would have dream experiences like that. And I imagine, you know, I'd, I would tell my mum and dad the next day, they were just like, yeah, all right, darling, you know, <laughs> she's a bit eccentric, they think to themselves. And um, so I kind of, I never kind of was able to discuss it with anyone. So it was quite isolating on one, one level, but on, on another level, it was brilliant because it meant that I had to explore for myself and I had to by trial and error, work out how this other world worked. Um, and my dreams were very, very conscious a lot of the time. Um, and I, I had to work out uh, how to deal with my nightmares and so on. And when I went to university, I was having a lot of sleep paralysis. And, you know, I hadn't read a single book on dreams at that age. I didn't know really what was happening, why I was um, kind of stuck in this strange space, um, being spun around in, in black space. So, you know, what's going on? I had no idea. But I basically, I taught myself to not struggle in that state and to release my fear. And I realized the only thing I could really control was my breath. So I started to do really deep, relaxing breathing whenever I was in sleep paralysis. And that would take me into a beautiful, lucid dream. So that's when I learned to really kind of um, have lucid dreams at will uh, through the state of uh, sleep paralysis. So basically, all of those experiences meant that uh, I've also taken the path of kind of, I want to find out things for myself. You know, I'm not going to follow a particular uh, tradition. I, I love and respect all sorts of different uh, traditions when it comes to, yeah, any type of uh, yoga, dreaming, things like that. But um, I've always been determined to find out for myself, I think, because of my early experience with my with my parents. Um, and that has been very, very interesting, you know, to take a little bit from here and there and read widely. But then to say, right, I'm going to go into my dreams and find out for myself. What is the nature of consciousness? What happens when we die? How deep can we go? And what is the base of everything in reality? You know, and you can find out answers, you know, some answers <laughs> to these questions uh, through a practice of deep lucid dreaming. Oh, my gosh, Claire, I can't tell you. I mean, it's like music to my ears. You're like recapitulating <laughs> my, my own biography. And, and, and if you don't mind, a couple of things ping, 
pinged into my awareness around this is one is, you know, uh, um, the work of Diogenes and what he refers to as the absurdity of conformity um, mm-hmm. and, how, and how it is that exactly like you say, and, and I, I, I sometimes reference, I'm sure you've read the book of Charles um, Laughlin, Communing with the Gods, where he, he makes this really compelling uh, assertion that, you know, outside of Western European cultures, there are some 4,000 cultures worldwide and around 90% of those are what he refers to as, you know, these polyphasic cultures, cultures that adhere to altered states of consciousness and the validity of exploring things like lucid dreaming yeah. and so-called altered states. Um, and so what it does, that what you're saying is just so spot on that we live in, in a highly wake-centric, um, and I think it's largely based um, on Eurocentricity and all yeah. in the service of egocentricity. We, we're in a certain way blinded by... Um, external light and so there's this vast natural resource that we have that our parents um, our culture our society just dismisses because you know we if we can't experience it fully it can't be real well how about perhaps it's more real how about perhaps that just because it's subtle and nocturnal and and dark that in fact um, it could be exploring exactly what you're referring referring to the origins of everything you know I mean origins often mm-hmm. arise in darkness, and so for you, it's just a complete kind of recapitulation of the whole dismissive attitude that the Western world has around um, lucid dreaming. And for you to be, you know, the intrepid pioneer that you have been and continue to be is amazing. So, were you ever clear when you were engaging in this? Um, I'm, I'm very curious in terms of the kind of the dance between, um, uh, you know, being so excited, thrilled about exploring this unique world um, pretty much on your own and also um, the role of fear um, if there uh-huh. were in fact some experiences that weren't all just love and light that were ex- expressions yeah. of, of shadow that also came to teach you so talk to us a little bit about how you danced between those two extremes we could say that the great excitation yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, uh, fear, this is uh, <laughs> this is a topic I'm also fascinated by. And in my workshops, I, I try to teach people how to release fear because I believe that fear is the biggest, uh, or it can be the biggest block when it comes to not only psychological development, but also spiritual knowledge. And I think that when we are brave and when we face the fear, Oh, there's so much to gain. I mean, I think of nightmares these days. I think of nightmares as being healing gifts. You know, we can unwrap them and get to the gift. What What is it that they're teaching us? What can we learn from them? This is a step on our path towards healing. But way back then, I mean, obviously, as a child growing up, I, I had really uh, scary nightmares sometimes. Um, I remember one recurring lucid nightmare. So I was conscious in this dream, but I I didn't know about lucid dreaming. I didn't know that you can actually change things or kind of snap out of it or uh, wake yourself up if you need to. I didn't know any of that. And I had this recurring nightmare. It started off quite amazing. I climbed up to a hill, a green hill, and it was drenched in sunlight. And then I lay down on the hill and everything was wonderful. The sky was blue. And then suddenly all these power lines, these like buzzing black lines started to crisscross the sky, like really kind of vibrating with energy that scared me because it was so strong. And they crossed the sky and crossed it and crossed it until the sky was black and everything was black buzzing. Yeah. 
And and then I would scream because I was so scared. Even though I knew it was a dream, I would scream and I would try and wake myself up. Um, and I remember telling my mum about that. And I was only little, so I all I could really say was, Mum, I had a dream and, and there were all these lines crossing the sky. <laughs> and she was like, yeah, all right, darling. You know, I mean, it just doesn't sound that impressive. Does it? I had no way of kind of putting into words how how huge that dream was for me and and the the massive vibration of those lines and and the sense that I was going to lift off and be transported somewhere else and I didn't know where and there was a lot of fear so I had to learn uh, to get through those experiences and I got used to those because they were recurring nightmares those ones and I I kind of managed to stay relaxed because I knew I always wake up safely from this. I always wake up safely in my bed. Um, and then I would just have to kind of stay there and see it through. And I, I mean, I think looking back, these were just kind of pre out of body experiences because I did have out of body experiences when I was younger. And, you know, you often get that huge uh, vibration and the sense of lift off. But again, I had no idea what was going on. Um, and so that was just one example of, um, of the fear that I, I sometimes experienced in, in those states. And I, I felt that I had, um, no real help with that but the, the great thing is that then you you get to draw on your own inner resources mm. and and I found that my dreams would also be like my regular dreams would would give me such wonderful beautiful experiences that I I was never really scared to sleep it was interesting I I looked forward to it it was like going straight into a rich other world full of colors and different things and amazing people and animals you know so there were always both sides for me um, and I just had to learn to kind of brave up, really, and just and just be like, right, okay, whatever happens, I'll wake up safely. That was kind of my maxim, you know? Yeah, oh, my gosh, that's, that's really amazing. And, you know, for me, not only as a uh, spelunker of the mind in terms of the nocturnal practices, you know, in, in my meditative path altogether, I have often used fear as one of the most powerful indicators for where one actually should go to grow. I, I, I often talk yeah. about how... You know, Joseph Campbell, when he said, follow your bliss, that's there, there's some provision mm -hmm. to that. But if you only follow your bliss, you just get blissed out. And so for me, yeah. I, I actually find the most rewarding things I've ever done is following my fear. Um, and uh, you know, I, I've explored this in some depth, um, Claire, where, um, you know, the very origin of the word fear comes from a root that means fair as in toll. And mm -hmm. so um, it's as if it really is the kind of gauntlet that, authentic deep divers of the mind and heart have to go through in order to discover reality and and I've, I've thought about this a ton and to me it's why it's super important to understand um the kind of the, the strata of mind have a really good map of the mind that we, yes we may have these intermediate bandwidths that the, the buddhist tradition refers to as the kind of the substrate um consciousness mm -hmm. Um, where the, all the refused, rejected aspects are, are spiders and snakes are hanging out. And if we just, if we get kind of deterred by the spiders and snakes at the intermediate level, we're, we're going to lose the deeper picture. And so the, yeah. complete, the complete picture, as you know, is that at the very basis, at least according to um, so-called non-dual Eastern traditions, at the very basis, the very, the true bed of mind is is perfectly pure it's divine it's what i refer to in the nocturnal practices and of course it's not my term is the clear light mind and so I, i'm riffing yeah. on this just a little bit because it's so important that if we know that the very ground of our being the very uh, below the spiders and snakes 
are the sages and saints, that below that is the real divinity, the purity, the, the, the God within whatever um, metaphor you want to use, then that will allow us to, in fact, cut through these otherwise um, frightful situations that are extraordinarily effective in, in terms of keeping us away from truth. And so how, how, how do you work with it now? What, what new uh, kind of um, skill sets do you bring when you're relating to fear? Because I know you, you write uh, quite a bit about uh, nightmares and uh, using lucidity in, in working with nightmares. How, how can you um, share with us what you found most fruitful in, in that respect? Yeah, um, well, I, I mean, I think, you know, what you're saying is fascinating. It sounds like you've really kind of been there as well and uh, you've oh, yeah. worked through the fear and it's so important to do that. It can seem so scary, can't it, to, to face things. But uh, when you do it, you reap the benefits. Um, and, you know, as I grew, as I got deeper into lucid dreaming, I, I had experience after experience where every time I faced something awful in my dreams there would be this radiance that would follow an absolute radiance and a, and a sense of like I've, I've got through it and I'm stronger and I have this resource and you know I, I think we all have this this light within us of course we do um this healing capacity and yet we we get far away from it and the fear takes us further away we we stay in our minds and build up the fear even more and, and turn it into something huge and are scared to face it so what i what i try to do um, in my practical workshops is teach people how we can use transformative lucidity techniques um, during the day during our waking hours to work with our dreams and in fact it's like a waking version of lucid dreaming Yes. And the more we and the more we do this kind of dream work while awake, the easier it, it is to do it then automatically in a lucid dream to to work with the scary dream figure. Um, and there are so many possibilities. I, I developed the lucid imaging nightmare solution, mm. uh, which is is kind of it's a waking a, a waking technique, but it happens like once you've woken up from a nightmare, uh, you can then go back into your your dream first of all you calm yourself down of course knowing that you can stop the process at any time um, and if you feel that you're ready to go back into that nightmare in a in a visualization you just relax in your bed um, and you recall the dream imagery as far back as you can and what's really good to do is kind of rerun it like a movie and then try and identify the tipping point which is the moment when the dream turned into a nightmare. You know, there's often like a moment where everything everything was more or less okay and then suddenly you open the cupboard and a monster jumps out, something like that. Uh, so it's very easy there to see when it turns into a nightmare. So if you return to that tipping point as if this is a movie, your dream or your nightmare is a movie, and you can go back to that tipping point and then you try to restore the balance. You can decide whereabouts you want to change events or change your attitude towards events. We don't have to forcibly manipulate the, the dream imagery at all. Um, we can just draw on the possibilities of lucid dreaming. Um, so, for example, we could offer a gift to the nasty or scary element of our dream. This can be really amazing. It's often a surprise, the kind of thing that, that turns up when you offer them a gift. Um, or you can um, surrender and just see what's going to happen. Like if you had a horrible dream about zombies uh you think they're going to rip you to pieces and then you you go back into the dream and you say well 
okay, I know I'm safe. I'm just going to see what happens. And then perhaps instead of really trying to rip you to pieces, the zombies um, surround you like angels and beam healing light over you or something like that may happen. And it's really good to just see, to allow your unconscious to work with these images and with your lucid awareness sort of mixed in with it and see kind of what can happen. Um, you could also ask the dream for a gift. You could hug the dream monster. You can put a, a protective shield around yourself uh, so that you feel that you are absolutely safe and protected if the fear seems too big. Um, and you can ask if the dream or the nightmare has a message for you. Uh, this is often very, um, very interesting, the kind of responses you get. So one lady, for example, she had recurring nightmares about being chased by scary men. And she was a very, a very anxious person in her waking life as well. Um, and someone said to her, well, you know, next time that nightmare happens, ask them why they're chasing you. And she actually managed to do this. She was being chased by a big giant with glowing blue eyes. And uh, she turned around and said, why are you chasing me? And the moment she said that, he shrank down to like a normal size and, and looked very helpless and sorry. And he said, oh, um, you need us for your fear. Beautiful. And, yeah, right. And so she realized, wow. I'm actually, part of me is kind of creating this because I've got so fearful. I've got into a fearful mindset and I'm making these scary things happen. And that for her really turned her life around because not only did those recurring nightmares never come back, but she became less fearful in her waking life. So what we do in lucid dreams and when we change our attitude, it can actually change our attitude towards our waking life. And when our attitude and our outlook changes, our life changes for the better. Oh, that's just fantastic. I mean, so many terrific insights here, Claire. I mean, you know, the last thing you said, and this is the you know, large charter of, of my entire um, path and also my teaching on this material is this bi-directional approach. That exactly what you said, that what we do under the cover of darkness isn't left under the cover of darkness. It can, it can ping in this bi-directional way back into our daily lives to help us inform and then transform the way we live. But there are, if, a number of things really came to mind when you're talking about this. One is... You know, I often uh, riff on this thing from the, the Nando Shaiva Tantra traditions, completely resonant with my deep study of Tibetan Buddhism, where mm -hmm. they fundamentally say, you know, they're, they're, whoa, what was that? Oh, did we just? I think we're still there. It just sounded like a big, yeah. uh, a big demon just crossed our stage. There's a dream sign. Oh. <laughs> we, we should all just. What's that nightmare? Up. We're talking about the fear. That's why. Yeah, that, that was awesome. Did you hear it as well? No, I heard silence. <laughs> oh, I heard this. I heard this big, like freaky sound. So anyway, maybe it's just coming from my own mind. But within the Nando Shaiva tradition, they have this beautiful maxim um, where where they assert, you know, there is no darkness within, only light unseen. Um, and I think just having that vision itself is beautiful. And, and I, I want to see how this bounces off of you. When I think about nightmares, I think there's two fundamental things going on. One is that a, a large part of what's taking place um, in the kind of psychological arena is that these rejected, refused, um, unwanted aspects of our experience are, are really coming back for reintegration, for, for individuation even, for wholeness or Really, it's like a boomerang that you threw when you rejected your experiences coming back to be whole, to be healed. And there was originally unwanted, it's going to come back as unwanted, um, you know, anthropomorphized or otherwise symbolized in the dream. And if we continue to run from it, we continue to, in a certain way, 
run away from parts of ourselves, which then keep chasing after us. And so what you say is exactly what I've done, Claire, is that very often, and I haven't had a nightmare in probably 25, 30 years because of this practice. Mm-hmm. Um, when I did, I would, I would just stop because I, I had some sense of what was happening. I would turn around. I would either ask the monster directly or just face it and open my heart and hug it. And eventually, everything, it would either dissolve into light or dissolve into my heart. I would wake up lighter, freer, and then eventually these rejected aspects disappeared. And so I would, my experience is that's the psychological component of, of nightmares. But even deeper is that the fundamental essence of a nightmare, nightmare is I've come to see it um, night or day, and this is where it's even more compelling during the day, Yeah, is the nightmare of reification altogether. That's the fundamental nightmare taking things to be um, reified, to be solid, um, independent, and real, that's the real nightmare of which these, <laughs> of which these psychological components are, are just kind of epiphenomenal. And so to me, the, the great gift, and this, has been, this is why I teach so much on death and dying, this kind of maxim that has been a large part of my life is you know, transforming obstacle into opportunity, this kind of alchemical approach, this kind of tantric approach. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm mentioning this to our listeners then, so that when you have these fearful experiences and you realize that fear is the fear, that from a spiritual, psycho-spiritual um, developmental point of view, it's actually a really good thing. That now you have this tremendously precious, if not unwanted from an egoic perspective, opportunity to really integrate, to heal and, and bring these disparate rejected aspects into your experience. And so we, we solve the psychological components and then through understanding the fundamental nightmare of reification altogether, we fundamentally solve, as in dissolve, the nightmare of reification altogether. So does, does that resonate with your own experience working with this stuff? Yeah, absolutely. It really does. I mean, everything you're saying <laughs> makes perfect sense. I, I'm completely on the same page as, as you with this. Um, I mean, I find that um, nightmares, they can, they can also, I mean, they can be, due to a sense of a spiritual chasm sometimes in people. Um, I I get a a lot of people, a lot of people writing to me via my website uh, who are are very desperate, you know. Uh, It's quite... It's quite remarkable how many people there are out there who are really suffering in life. Yeah. And I, I write back to every single one of them because I really see that as, as my, my role just to try and help where I can. I mean, I get people writing to me and saying they're having recurring nightmares every night. They're scared to go to sleep. And they say to me things like, um, you know, I'm, I think I'm going mad. Or else they say, please help me to get my life back. I mean, th- there are some really, really desperate situations going on. Um, sometimes it's to do with sleep paralysis. Sometimes, of course, it's to do with past traumas that are coming back to to haunt people. Um, I mean, of course, I, I say to them, though, you know, these, these, these traumas are rising uh, to consciousness because, you know, it's it's maybe time to to work with them and, and, and to get on the path towards healing. Um, but there's only so much you can do kind of via email, <laughs> as you know. I mean, I'm sure yeah. you get a lot of people writing to you as well. And, um, you know, I just do my best to help where I can. But I do see that for some people it's um, there's a sense of spiritual um, spiritual uh, loss or a lack of spirituality in their lives or a sense of, um, you know, it's all just going to end at death and life is completely pointless, you know, that kind of thing. And then there are people who write with psychological uh, nightmares, as we've talked about. 
And also nightmares can be uh, can have a physical cause. Uh, some people who have chronic pain, for example, this is something I'm going to be looking at in my in my next book on nightmares. How how the physical body can also affect what we dream about. Um, and some people have a, a sleep disturbance, which is a bit like sleep apnea, but not as bad. So it's not like you're you know, yeah, so it's not kind of the really full-on form, but there's a, a milder form where you still, uh, your your dreams will be affected. You may find you, you dream you're drowning in quicksand or someone strangling you or something because you've got not enough air uh, going down your windpipe. Um, and so that there's all sorts of ways of, of getting to the root of nightmares and helping people. But I think it's I think it's fascinating to see the, the way that people can... Um, can heal so much in such a short space of time in their dreams. I mean, I've experienced this myself when I've gone through very difficult things in my life and I've had a, a horrible nightmare <laughs> that I really don't want to have and it's awful and all this. And um, and then I've gone back and I have faced it in my next, uh, in the next time it comes up, I become lucid and I face it. And, uh, oh, it's just amazing how the dream can spontaneously dissolve into into light and how there, there is so much healing just in the space of just a few seconds. Um, and I think it's it's wonderful to know that we all have this power to heal ourselves. We all have that inside us. And there's this tendency, isn't there, to, to look to external things or people. or uh, But actually, when we have the right tools and we're ready for it, we feel like, yeah, I'm going to be brave. I'm going to face this. We can do so much work and transform on extremely deep levels by by working with our dreams. Yes, and, and isn't it also that, you know, the analogy I use, it's like we're, and this is why, of course, I'm, I'm one of the many reasons I'm so jazzed about these uh, practices is that we're working, the analogy I use, Claire, is you know, we're really working with the tectonic plates of our experience, the, the very ground, the yeah. roots of our mind. And so, as you know, in your own work and studying the literature, um, when we're working with such foundational levels, this, the slightest shifts down there can have massive surface implications and, and repercussions. And so I want to transition. I, I mean, oh my gosh, we could talk about this um, <laughs> forever. But I, you're one of the, the few people, and I think this will be just to go to the other spectrum yeah. of what's available in the dream arena. You're, you're one of the few researchers, writers who talks uh, I think quite eloquent, eloquently and beautifully um, about sex in lucid dreams, and and I'll, let's if you don't mind going there because uh, there aren't too many. Most of, most of the guys I talk to are heavy hitting researchers and scholars, and so to talk to you about, um, I guess you you can see on one level this this is truly safe sex, but is it? Thanks for listening. You can listen to the full interview by joining Nightclub, Lucid Dreaming and Dream Yoga Community. Just $1 for your first 30 days. Try it out. Click the website link in our profile to get started.